Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I'm J.P. Hornstra with the Southern California News Group. I hope your long Memorial Day weekend is treating you well. The Dodgers have been on the road for two weeks. Now they're back in L.A. They have seven games at home in seven days, followed by their first off day since May 19th. It's been a good road trip. Long one, but a good one. If the whole point is to win baseball games, that is what the Dodgers have done. Only one loss all week. That was a one nothing game on D.C. on Wednesday. We talked about this last time. You look at the schedule, and this is a portion of games the Dodgers should be winning. I circled these three home games against the Pirates as something close to freebies. The Pirates are 19-27 and 27 going into this series. And then you got four against the Mets. And the Mets are good this year. First place in the NL East. But the Dodgers are catching the Mets at a good time. Uh, as it stands right now, the pitching matchups are Taiwan Walker versus Tony Gonsolin on Thursday. Chris Bassett versus Tyler Anderson on Friday. And David Peterson versus Walker Bueller on Saturday. Followed by Trevor Williams versus Julio Arias on Sunday. You guys going to any of these games? You won't see Max Scherzer. You won't see Jacob DeGrom. The Mets have those two plus five more pitchers on IL right now, remarkably. And they're pulling Trevor Williams out of the bullpen to make at least a couple spot starts this week. But the Mets have a good lineup. Call it one through seven or eight. Should be a good series. I'm a little surprised ESPN isn't taking that Sunday game for Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, They have Cardinals and Cubs, so the Dodgers and Mets will start Sunday's game at one o'clock. Mookie Betts has been heating up. Did you know Mookie Betts is on pace for a nine-war season? It seems like just yesterday he was off to a slow start. People were wondering what's wrong with Mookie Betts. Is he really over that hip thing from last year? Mookie Betts is at 2.8 wins above replacement via baseball reference and 3.1 according to fan graphs. He's looking like his old self again, leading the Dodgers in war. Remarkably, though, Mookie Betts is not leading the National League in war. That would be Manny Machado. Machado is hitting like he plays at Camden Yards before they move the fences back. He is playing his usually excellent defense at third base for the Padres. He leads the NL. He's on pace for more than 10 war, according to both baseball reference and fan graphs. That's like Babe Ruth stuff right there. Whatever you think about war, if Manny Machado and Mookie Betts are one and two, it's probably a pretty good stat. 
Other notes from this last week, Max Muncy went on IL, finally. I think at some point when you have a player who's slashing 150, 327, 263, and he's in your everyday lineup, someone from the front office needs to sit that guy down and say, okay, look, something is affecting you because this is not who you are when you're healthy. And sometimes it's hard for the player to self-report that. You know, I saw the interview that Max Muncy gave with the beat writers on the road, and he didn't even sound so sure of himself and his need to go on the IL sooner, which makes me think it's it's a strength issue inside that elbow that Muncy just is not aware of. They finally did place Max Muncy on the injured list. They acknowledged that his elbow is not all the way back. And the Dodgers had to do it. Max Muncy was hitting 150. That's the lowest batting average of any qualified player in Major League Baseball. Batting average isn't the best stat, but it doesn't tell you nothing. It tells you something. And that 263 slugging percentage for somebody who's supposed to be in the middle of the lineup, that's the lowest in the National League. That tells you a lot right there. Speaking of stats, how about this? Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson are 11-0 with a 2.38 earned run average, if you combine the two. Remember, those guys started the season piggybacking off of each other in the number five spot. Now, flash forward, not quite June, can you imagine either guy coming out of the rotation if Clayton Kershaw and Andrew Heaney are both healthy? I know I can't. These things usually work themselves out, right? There's an injury to one of the other pitchers in the rotation. There's a string of consecutive games that allows you to go to a six-starter format. But let's just appreciate how the Dodgers seem to find capable pitchers growing on trees, it seems. Especially Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson has never posted an ERA under four since 2016, when he was a rookie with the Rockies. And now he just leads the National League and wins. Again, not the best stat in the world, but it tells you something. Tyler Anderson was among the last players the Dodgers signed to a major league contract this offseason. I'm not saying like the front office identified him as a bounce-back candidate early and went out and got him before any other team could, because they didn't do that. That's not how it happened. Tyler Anderson was the last starting pitcher through the door. But any other team could have signed him. I guarantee you, though, the Dodgers are doing for Tyler Anderson something that not every team can do. Something in their analytical model told them, here's a pitcher who has room for improvement with X and Y and Z. Maybe it's the breaking stuff. Maybe it's where he locates the fastball. Maybe it's the sequencing. Maybe it's something in his mechanics. I don't know. Maybe they thought he was somebody who had been tipping pitches in the past and his stuff was better than his numbers were indicating. I, I don't know. That's something worth digging into. For now, let's just appreciate what this guy has done. Uh, he split last season between the Pirates and the Mariners, two teams that missed the playoffs. 
He's with the Giants in 2020. He was with the Rockies in 2019. The Dodgers are his fifth team in four years, and now he's 6-0 and with a 290 ERA, striking out a batter in inning. Sure. Why not? Crazy. Not the craziest thing all week, though. Can we talk about this Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham thing? You guys see this? So Jock Peterson is in the outfield before a game between the Reds and the Giants. Tommy Pham is on the Reds now. And Tommy Pham comes up to Jock Peterson, just open palm slaps him across the cheek. Chris Rock, Will Smith style. And it wasn't until after the game that we all learned this is about a fantasy football league. That just got real all of a sudden. Not fantasy football anymore. A fantasy football league from last year. A fantasy football league that I'm guessing had not been collecting stats since December. Well, apparently, Jock Peterson. (laughs) The The thing I love about this story, the thing I love about this is just how forthcoming Jock Peterson was about pretty much every single detail of why Tommy Pham was pissed at him. Let me just read to you from Evan Wiebeck of the San Jose Mercury News. His Twitter timeline has the details on this. Jock Peterson was waiting for reporters after the game with receipts from his group text exchange with Tommy Pham. He sent a gif of three weightlifters with Giants, Dodgers, and Padres logos superimposed on them. The Padres guy collapsed under the weight of his dumbbell. Peterson read verbatim from the group chat, which include four to five other Padres. Fam responded, quote, Jock, I don't know you well enough to make any jokes like this. Peterson wrote back, it was meant to be all fun and games. No hard feelings. Sorry if you took it that way. Fam played on the Padres last year. This was directed at Fam. And I'm not seeing anything in this story that goes beyond the usual lighthearted trash talk that goes on in fantasy leagues. But Tommy Pham did not like it. (laughs) Tommy Pham took it seriously enough that he went to the outfield before this game on Friday night and open palmed, cheek slapped Jock Peterson. Folks, this is the best story of the year. I'm calling it. We're not talking this. This is the funniest thing I've heard all year. Jock Peterson, talking to reporters after the game on Friday, says, quote, violence is not the answer. (laughs) And just the contrast between that and the Giants manager, Gabe Kapler, earlier in the day, penning this super thoughtful essay about how he wasn't going to come out for the national anthem in light of the school shooting in Texas. Gabe Kapler taking his time out to really explain a complicated issue for everybody uh, and his complicated feelings about that issue. And here's Jack Peterson taking his time out to explain <laughs> the inner workings of a fantasy football league. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. It, it it may be that 
I covered Jock Peterson for as long as I did while he was a Dodger, that none of this surprises me, and yet it still cracks me up. If you're not into this story, you might be wondering, why are we talking about this? And that's cool. I get it. I think one of the reasons we're talking about this is because the Dodgers, right now, they are leading all of baseball in runs per game. And they are leading all of baseball in fewest runs allowed per game. And for a single team to be both the best hitting team and the best pitching team in baseball, it's May 30th, I get it, but that is rare. And based on everything I remember about sports talk radio, it's really easy to get people to call in after a loss. Not as easy to get people to call in after a win. And the Dodgers are winning right now. They're beating everybody, and they're beating everybody pretty consistently. And it's not going to be like this all year. They're beating up on the teams that they need to beat up on, and they're in a stretch of a whole bunch of bad teams. But the Dodgers are doing this without Max Muncy. They're doing this without really everybody at the bottom of the lineup clicking. They're doing this without Clayton Kershaw. They're doing this without Andrew Heaney. They're doing this with a bullpen that has been shaky at times. It's not the deepest bullpen in the world. You've seen what happens when Craig Kimbrell is not available for a day. And I know the trade deadline is a ways away. I know even the all-star ballot hasn't been released yet. But when you look at this team, 1 through 26, I don't see, if everybody's healthy, any reason for Andrew Friedman to go out and get like the best player available at the trade deadline. Because that player... Might make the Dodgers a better team, but I'm guessing they won't need him as badly as another team will. This is a good team on paper. It's a good team in reality. And I'm interested to see how that's reflected on the All-Star ballot. By the way, the Dodgers have the All-Star game this year. It's at Dodger Stadium. You could stack the National League lineup and pitching staff with Dodger players. And it wouldn't just be a wink and a nod to the hometown crowd. It would be an accurate reflection of the best hitting and best pitching team in the National League. It's looking like a good year. Uh, just to bring this full circle, the Pittsburgh Pirates, today's opponent, second to last in baseball in runs scored, fourth to last in baseball, in runs allowed, on a per-game basis. And one more Pirates-Dodgers connection in the news this week. Russell Martin, drafted and developed by the Dodgers, has announced his retirement. Congratulations to him on a fine career. I enjoyed covering Russell Martin in his second tour of duty with the Dodgers. Martin debuted with the Dodgers in 2006. Stayed on until 
after the 2010 season, left for the New York Yankees. Had a chance to come back to the Dodgers after the 2014 season. Chose to sign with his hometown Toronto Blue Jays instead. I remember at the time hearing that even though Frank McCourt was no longer in charge of the Dodgers, Russell Martin had such bad memories of his time in Los Angeles, at least the ending, um, by virtue of the Frank McCourt experience, that he did not want to come back at that time. Which is a shame. It, it would have been interesting to see how his career might have played out differently had he not signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. Dodgers got him back into trade. He played one season with the Dodgers 2019. Had one decent playoff series. Dodgers were eliminated by the Nationals that year in the first round. And that was it. That was it for Russell Martin. Congrats to him. Four-time All-Star. Former Gold Glove winner. And good clubhouse guy. On that note, enjoy your week. Stay safe out there. We'll do this again. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.